Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Kerbig, and today we're joined by Chase, who's in studio. Hi. <laughs> Hi, You're usually behind the board, so there's like a, I am. there's some hesitation, but we roped you in. I'm nervous. You're, you shouldn't be nervous. Okay. Gone. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but before we start the show, I wanted to remind you this show is supported by listeners like you through our Personal Finance Society, which is a fancy name for our Patreon members. You can join up with other Oh My Dollar community members to support episode transcripts and more by making a pledge of $1 or more per month. Patrons get cool perks like cat stickers, discounts, and a special badge on our forums. Learn more at ohmydollar.com slash support. Welcome to all of our new patrons that joined during the patron drive. Thank you to Lauren, Beat, Lindsay, Steph, Cassie, Sadness and Joy, Jordan, Ilfiriel, Claire, Jody, Nicole, Irene, Rosemary, Chelsea, Denise, Annalise, Bethany, Mary, Sarah, Kenna, Catherine, Carrie, Jordan, and Sarah. So that was a lot of people. That was. Yeah, thanks so much. And if you want to be one of them and get your name read on the show, you can go to ohmydollar.com slash support. All right. Emergency funds. Mm -hmm. To some, it sounds like a far off fantasy. Yes. Uh you know, how long would it possibly take to save up enough to have a quote unquote six month emergency fund and six months of what for others? It just seems like a waste of money. Like if you're financially stable, you're like, why would I have a pile of my hard earned money just sitting there in an account earning me whatever pittance of interest the bank is giving me uh. instead of having it invested in things that, you know, are either fun or are making me more money in some other way. And having a kitten emergency fund of one month's expenses is my first recommendation I give to anybody who's like trying to get their finances on track. It's the first thing I recommend to folks that just got their first job and started earning money. But it's hard. How do you like prioritize saving money, especially if you're not earning a lot of money and you need that for, you know, rent and bills and feeding yourself? But 40% of Americans would struggle to come up with $400 for an unexpected expense, according to the Federal Reserve's 2018 Survey of Household Economics and Decision Making. And it can be really challenging to prioritize saving, even if you've got those basic bills covered. If you've got debt that's taunting you there with compound interest, it's really challenging to say, why would I just have money sitting there doing nothing? Like, I could be giving that money a job. But I think it's really important to have some kind of an emergency fund, and I think it looks different for everyone. And one of the reasons I recommend having an emergency fund is if you don't, bad things happen. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a law of the universe <laughs> that says, like, Murphy comes knocking on your door if you don't have anything there waiting for Murphy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. There's there's some sort of like cosmic protection that just happens in place. Uh there's there's another law of the universe, which is when you saved your first emergency fund, you will immediately have a reason to use it. Yeah. But we're gonna ignore that law of the universe <laughs> first. So we had a listener question right in about emergency funds, and I thought it would be a good time to talk about uh like how you structure them, how do you figure out what your expenses are. So Chase is going to play the part of Ken, okay, our new listener. So apologies in advance for the novel. My name is Kim. I'm a recent Oh My Dollar fanatic. 
I think I started listening to your podcast in early September and have since listened to nearly every episode, whether I thought the topic applied to me or not. I also just purchased, see what I did there, uh, a copy of The Cat's Guide to Money, and while I consider myself more of a dog person, I found it to be delightful. I've had a question on my mind for a while, and I've combed through your book and the forums as well as tried to find answers on Reddit, but I've come up a bit short. I was wondering what you typically include in your monthly expenses when calculating your one-month buffer and emergency fund. Is it every single expense or funded category in YNAB? Is it expenses to keep me alive? Are there maybe things that are automatically pulled out of my paycheck that I should also keep in mind for my emergency fund? I would also like to know what YNAB is. I'm, I'm currently trying to establish a buffer now before I attack some high-interest debt. And in my mind, this should cover essential expenses to keep my dog and I alive should I lose my job or the ability to work for a month. I'm currently including things like rent, utilities, groceries, and pet food. Then I'm also including some of, some of my living and future expenses, i.e. barbershop fees, monthly contributions for vet, auto and bike fees, etc. I'm not including things like my vacation or fund money budgets. Thinking if I were to lose my job or be disabled, I'd likely deprioritize those and focus on essentials while I get on my feet. That said, I set a temporary one-month buffer goal, and I don't have a lot of confidence in it. Any thoughts on essentials to make sure are covered? Uh, well, thank you, one, Chase, for playing Ken, and yes. two, Chase, uh, Ken, for writing in. And this is a question that I feel like is challenging for a lot of people to wrap their head around, because when you say one-month or six-month emergency fund, a lot yeah. of people assume that it's income, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's six months of income. But on the show, usually yeah. we recommend spending less than you earn, Okay. in which case your emergency fund doesn't need to be one month of income because theoretically you would have some savings. Sure. And Ken is totally on the right track here. I think it's really when you first start getting like finances st- in order and if you're someone who's like listened to every back episode and is going on Reddit and the forums and trying to find answers, it's really easy to make this stuff way more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and your Ken is totally on the right track here, which is that my recommendation is go with your essential expenses. So fun money and, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of things that you're going to, um, you know, deprioritize if an emergency really does come up would not be in the one month category. Yeah. Uh, Chase asked, what is YNAB? It is a- an app called You Need a Budget, which we have talked about before on the show. It's what I use for my budgeting. It's great for people that are um, really nitpicky and it's very good at um, what we call sinking funds, which is saving a little bit each month for some um, expense that occurs like quarterly or annually. So, you know, I save a little bit each month in a sinking fund for my uh, renter's insurance because I only pay it once a year or something okay. like car owner's insurance because quite often I've noticed people act like things are an emergency that they have known about. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like car insurance, usually you pay every six months. Yeah. I know so many people who treat it like it's an emergency and they have to rearrange everything. But yeah. when you signed that contract, they said, oh, it's just $60 a month. And it's like if you had been putting $60 aside each month, no problem, right? I'm, I'm doing that with my car registration right now. Uh, the, acting like it's an emergency or putting aside money? No, I got the no, I got the piece of mail, and I've known for two years. And I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I spent all that. Yeah, you like, oh, I I knew that was coming. I spent all that on speeding tickets. I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah, I I think that the like one of the challenging parts of figuring this out is you when you're kind of calculating that one month buffer is that you or the kitten emergency fund like I like to call it 
you don't want to end up in the position where you don't put enough in it and you spend like especially if you're trying to like pay off debt or something where you end up getting your account down to this very low level then an unexpected emergency happens and sure you you manage to get it covered because you have all your essentials in there but then Six months from now, you took all this money out of your car insurance sinking fund, and then you've got another emergency, right? Yeah. Um, that being said, I think the key for me is what things are flexible. So when I'm calculating it out, I, you know, my one month buffer, I usually include things like renter's insurance because I have to have that to stay in my house. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing where, sure, it's really tempting to see that $200 in there and pull it out for something else, um, especially if it's some kind of emergency and be like, oh, I need that $200. Um, but I know that that is kind of that sinking fund I include in my one month expense because I don't want to end up in that position of not being able to pay that renter's insurance yeah. and then my a property manager going, uh, yeah, where's your insurance certificate? Out. That being said... I have a lot of travel and even figure skating expenses, which I do pay monthly, but are not included in my one month buffer, like kind of kitten emergency fund for me. Yeah. Because if a real emergency happened, I would probably deprioritize figure skating for a month or two, right? It's a very expensive sport. I don't recommend it to anybody from a financial perspective. Not not to mention the fact that I broke my wrist from it. And so that was $29,000. Oh, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> choose less expensive sports yeah. is my, my... I, I can make a recommendation to Ken just cut your own hair cut your own hair yeah, yeah that um <laughs> I did that might not be a popular one but... I did that for most of my 20s and then now I look back and I see uh, pictures of yourself I see pictures of myself <laughs> yeah. and I go yeah I'm glad I started paying someone else <laughs> to cut my hair uh yeah, so I, I think you're on the right track. I think one of the things about emergency funds, both the one-month buffer and regular emergency funds, is there's no magic number. So right after this break, we're going to talk more about how a listener completely turned her budget on her head and redid her emergency funds. And we're going to help you figure out what your precise number is for your six-month emergency fund. Reminder, Oh My Dollar is supported by listeners like you and advertisers. Here's a note. All right, we're back from break. So that was a good break. That's <laughs> a good break. That's <laughs> a good break. It felt like seconds in I the know. studio. It was amazing. <laughs> Time really travels strangely in here. Yeah, it really does. Question: How do you figure out that precise number yeah. for your emergency fund? Um, so once you've kind of figured out that one month fund, if you're using something like YNAB, it's pretty easy to do. But if you're now in the situation where you're trying to save up that six month emergency fund. Should it be six months? What does that really mean? Here's the top things to consider. Your assets, particularly your assets you need for day-to-day -day living. So how much does your transportation cost to replace? If you lose your bus pass, it might be $40 to $150 to replace that, depending on how expensive your city is. Uh, I know how much it costs to lose my bus pass because I lost it very early in a month and I had to replace it oh. and I do not recommend that. Yeah. If your bike gets stolen, that's maybe $500 to replace it. And get back on the road. Obviously, like for me, my bike is a lot more expensive and often it is covered by your renters or your homeowners insurance, which okay. is a good thing to know. But to get a functional bike, it's a, a functional commuting bike for me. It'd be about $500, which would be what it would take to get me back to rolling with the bike. I might own more than one bike, too. So that's a different problem. 
But if your car gets totaled or stolen, how much would it cost you to pay your car insurance deductible yeah. and get another functional car? Okay. So usually the average deductible is around like $500 for car insurance. And so that's 500 to say $2,000. If you need your laptop to do your paying work or finish your coursework or your phone to safely walk to the bus and pay for the train, consider those in essential assets. Because if you didn't have your phone, mm. you would immediately replace it. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Phones are expensive now. They are. Yeah. And you don't have to. If you've got a $800, you know, fancy Pixel or yeah. iPhone you don't need to say, oh, I need $800 to replace it. You need what would take to get me functional again. If we're calculating an emergency fund, yeah. right? Then you need to consider your dependents. So I I'm talking about adults, children's, pets, anyone that relies on you, at least in part. So consider if they got in a crash or had a medical event, would you be on the hook for their rent or medical bills? Do you pay for their health insurance expenses? So if you do pay for their health insurance expenses, what is their co-pays and how likely are they to injure themselves or get sick? If you have an eight-year-old, you know they get sick all the time yeah. and are very likely to injure themselves, <laughs> depending on their <laughs> proclivity towards like real games or video games. Sure. And uh, so that's the kind of thing that you need to consider. And when you're looking at your dependents, usually you want to kind of do a little mental math on the likelihood and pets are also included in this so i have a friend who has a cat who likes to eat lots of non-food objects has eaten multiple bicycle inner tubes oh they're very expensive to get replaced uh or taken out i guess <laughs> yeah you don't put it back in you don't put it back in a... the, and the inner tube is not that expensive yeah no it's <laughs> eight dollars cat removal <laughs> but the cat removal is very expensive they actually have two pet insurance premiums out on this one cat because oh, wow. this cat is so expensive is like a life insurance payout well no pet insurance is actually kind of like it's like bad health insurance okay. um, and it can be really great if you have a accident prone cat talk, or dog yeah. gg might need some insurance <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. If you have some, you know, we have an office dog, Gigi, who's uh, just a shaky is the best description. Yeah, shaky is a good description. A little just clumsy around life and yeah. and objects. She's she's uh, prone to eating non-food objects. <laughs> yeah, definitely in the middle of a meeting we had yesterday at the station. She hawked something up on the carpet. Yeah. We don't know what it was, but it definitely wasn't food. No. <laughs> Uh, and then she just goes on with her day. Yeah, she's... But, but if we had to take her to the hospital, I think she would be a good candidate for pet insurance. So this is the same thing. Health insurance and pet insurance. The great thing is that there is an actual number on this. So despite yeah. all of my fuzzy wuzziness about like, it's really hard to come up with this number, you know what your deductible is. Yeah. You also know what your out-of-pocket maximum is. That stuff is listed on whatever your insurance premium is. So for any kind of insurance, for your yeah. car, for your health care, for your pet insurance. So know that. In my case, I'm in the situation where I have a high deductible plan, which means my out-of-pocket maximum is... Uh, $8,000, wow. which sounds like a lot to have an emergency fund. Yes. If you have a high deductible plan, be aware of that. And we've talked before about health savings accounts, which can be an excellent way to save up for that deductible if you do have a high deductible health insurance plan. In my case, most of my expenses are paid for by this thing called copay assistance. So I hit my out-of-pocket maximum for my insurance really early in the year because my drug is $4,000 a month. So okay. 
I actually don't have a lot of money in savings because I know that if I don't get injured or like very sick in the first two months of the year, the rest of the year, I will not owe anything because my out-of-pocket maximum is hit on my insurance. Okay. Um, and paid for by someone else, by copay assistance from the drug company. That's a different rant. I've gotten into it before. But- that is one of the things. So I broke my wrist. It was $29,000 to the insurance company, but it happened in May and I had hit my out-of-pocket maximum in February of that year. So that's a thing to consider is like the likelihood you'll hit your out-of-pocket maximum. Yeah. So you just play it fast and loose after like February. Yes. And I schedule all my appointments for after February. So right. like I don't get any routine human maintenance work done, yeah, yeah. including like therapist. Yeah. <laughs> like everything happens after that. Leave your bike helmet at home. Uh, yeah. And I just try not to do anything dangerous for the first two months of the year. That's that's yeah. my, uh, that's my like, you know, and then after that, it's yeah. fine. Injure yourself, get a $29,000 wrist surgery. Yeah. Everything's fine. Uh, so that's one thing to consider is like the likelihood you're injure yourself and look at that out of pocket maximum and deductible. So I've talked about this before, but if you don't have access to a lot of savings, it's worth paying a little more on insurance because you won't be able to come up with the cash for a high deductible. So that $8,000 deductible sounds really, really hard if you're living on minimum wage. So for example, the difference between a $500 and a $2,000 deductible on your car insurance might be $30 a month, which sounds like, why would I pay $30 extra on my car insurance? But if that means that you only have to work three extra hours a month to cover that premium, it's a lot better than the two straight months you'd have to work to save up that extra $1,500 to get a deductible covered. And you'd be without a car that whole time while yeah. you're trying to save that up. So if you don't have a lot of emergency fund, it can often be better to pay higher insurance premiums so that your deductible is lower. Not to mention cheaper insurance often can mean less comprehensive cover in car insurance, meaning you might not be covered at all depending who's at fault in the, ca the sure, crash. Yeah. So that's an important thing to know. Every state is different with how car insurance works and what you're required to have. Now, here's the thing. I want you to add up all these things we've talked about. So okay. you know what your monthly expenses, core expenses are. Let's say we're going to say there are $1,000 in this scenario Okay, that you've got decent rent and you don't spend a lot of groceries and it's a thousand dollars let's say okay then you have a dependent that dependent is likely to injure themselves and the deductible on the health insurance is the average deductible on a health insurance plan so it's eight hundred dollars okay so that's eighteen hundred dollars right there okay for one month's expenses yeah and your child that runs into things yeah your eight-year-old cat that <laughs> or your cat or whatever it is so now you've got eighteen hundred dollars and then you go oh well, my deductible on my car that I need to get to work is $1,000. Okay. And I also have a deductible on my renter's insurance that, you know, if something bad happened, if anything got stolen, is what covers. And that's a $500 deductible. Okay. So now we've added all this up together, and it's $3,300. Right. Good mental I'm math following, there. yeah. So that's $3,300, and you're like, oh, my gosh. That's kind of a lot. Yeah. Or you're like, wow, that was a really cheap person. I added it all up and I, I need a $50,000 emergency <laughs> fund if I'm going to co cover everything, right? I got a laptop. I got, yeah. you know, everything that I need to cover. My Zeppelin requires a lot of insurance. My right. Zeppelin has a high deductible. What Whatever these things yeah. are. Um, uh, yeah, I own a lot of jewelry. And so my yeah. homeowner's insurance is really expensive or I live in like a flood zone. Any yeah. Any of those things. Here's what I want you to think about. Emergencies, while they often happen like in threes, I would say, not to get once again weird and cosmic about it. Yeah. 
Usually everything that can go wrong doesn't go wrong at the same time. So when you're calculating out your emergency fund, it doesn't necessarily need to be enough to cover everything. If you're super nervous and you're trying to save up that fund, maybe you want to go for six months of expenses plus your deductible on your health insurance plan. You want to plan for like three disasters to happen at once, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're um, willing to play it a little more fast and loose, what I would go for is I would go for one emergency or one month's expenses as sort of my goal. Okay. And the emergency, whatever that emergency cost is to you. So definitely like if you can, the deductible on your car insurance, if you have it or your renter's insurance. If you're kind of in the middle, what I like to say is that you can you should be able to cover your um, deductible on your health insurance plan um, because that's one of the big ones in the United States. Yeah. And you should also be able to cover one other emergency. That's like two emergencies is sort of what I would say is like the medium conservative line. So for me, my six month emergency fund is based on being able to pay my uh, like living expenses, which are roughly fifteen hundred dollars a month. Okay. Um, and so I, but I don't. I play it kind of loose, and I don't put my emergency fund. Um, I don't put anything that kind of calculates out my health insurance uh, yeah. in there. And the reason I have a Sit a whole six month emergency fund is because I have variable income and I can have months where no money comes in whatsoever. Sure. And so for me, the function of a six month emergency fund is because my income is extremely variable. And I, you know, I've had months where I've just been living off my savings. Someone that has a more stable income is you can go a little closer. So when you're kind of setting that goal, you want to go on a, on the lower end. Right. And the other thing to think about because job loss tends to be an emergency where you're going to p- start pulling from your savings. Yeah. Think about how quickly it would take you to replace your current job. So if you're in a highly regulated industry, yeah. you're a nuclear reactor operator, and you work at the only nuclear reactor for three states, Sure. it's going to take you, and you've been working in nuclear reactor operations for 20 years, yeah. it's going to take you a lot longer to find a new role if you're nuclear reactor gets shut down or whatever, right? Because you're in a highly regulated industry. There's long, slow hiring times. So you probably want a bigger emergency fund. If you're someone that is a, you know, software developer in Silicon Valley and it's a boom right now, it might take you a day to get hired somewhere. (laughs) And therefore you might, you might be willing to play it a little less you know, a little closer to the sleeve on that. So um, think about both how variable your income is and so that, you know, if you're someone that like works on commission, all that money that you made in December, if you're in retail commission, yeah. maybe save it up for when nobody's buying anything in August. Okay. Right. You know, yeah. and so that that variable income is a little smooth. And last but not least, this is the high level. You are you've got your debt paid off. You're feel really solid about your industry. You know, the economy has been doing well or your industry is doing well. Some people use a low interest credit card as their emergency fund. Okay. And the idea there is that you would rather have that money invested in the stock market, earning it. I always recommend at least one month you need in liquid expenses. Okay. That being said, if you have a lot of savings buckets, if you have a lot of savings fund where you save recurring amounts for your pet who likes to eat bike inner tubes and you have, you know, just a, you know, a vacation fund or you have like other sinking savings funds that aren't, technically emergency funds but you have liquid cash available um and you know that you 
have enough earning potential and variable enough income, like as far as like you've got multiple sources of income. I think it can be okay to do that. It's not my, I'm way too nervous to do that. Like I'm way too nervous to live without an emergency fund, but that is a thing you can do if you're, this This only applies if you have no other debt. If you know that at, uh, you can have a mortgage, but no other kind of debt, like no high interest debt, do not use a credit card as your emergency fund if you are still paying on debt because when an emergency happens, you're just getting yourself into more debt, yeah. right? But yeah. if you know that liquid cash is something that can happen, some people like to do that. It's kind of like an advanced version of it. So Lady Duck on the forum says uh, that the 20 and 2020 savings challenges that we're doing on the forum, which I totally recommend, can be a great way to start building your first emergency fund. She said, this challenge has prompted me to consider turning our budgeting on its head. Normally, I tuck a bit away in a million sinking funds that works for stuff like annual bills, but it isn't working for us as needed spending. Instead, I'm going to actually dump all that money into our savings bucket and take money out if we actually spend it. I also use YNAB and budget a month ahead. So for January, we've saved $980. So congrats. Uh, I think that's an interesting way to look at it, right? The emergency fund bucket versus that. Uh, Before we close out the show, which we're going to wrap up right now, there are two things that both Chase and I did that were dumb things that (laughs) I think both of us kind of had to come out of emergency fund savings. Yeah. So what was your dumb thing? My dumb thing was my speeding ticket mm. that I didn't pay. And then I got my my wages. We got a letter that said it was it ended up doubling my speeding ticket, essentially. Oh, no. Yeah. So the original ticket was like $227 and I refused to pay it because I don't. All right. So I'm going to get I'll be a little candid, but I operate out of a P.O. box. <laughs> and So you decided that. And my yeah, my speeding ticket was from. A camera. So I was like, nobody was involved here. This ticket isn't real. Turns out that ticket was real, and I ignored it for too long, and it doubled. They sent me a letter, and I ended up having to pay uh, almost $550 yeah. on my $230 ticket. Which is about what we calculated it would cost you if you lost your keys to your yeah, car, which is like an this... interesting strategy when you're thinking about your assets. Yeah. Even if the car doesn't get totaled, if you lose your key, how much is it going to cost you to get back into your car? That, yeah, exactly. Oh, so this is this is a good example. So I was I was doing a little bit of a savings fund, an emergency savings fund, and that's about it killed killed my savings fund about five hundred bucks. So I was playing it fast and loose. I could do one emergency, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> if I lost, if I didn't find my car key right behind my car the next morning, that would have been two. Um, the car key was about five hundred dollars to replace. Because um, it's like one of those electronic keys yeah. and it's, th- this is one of the things, the more expensive your car, the more expensive it is to replace yeah. your keys. I know some cars, you have to replace the entire transmission if you lose the keys. So if I had lost my, so this is my only key. So if I, if I ran out of keys entirely, they, I don't even know, a few thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a, a I'd be dumb, trying to make an insurance claim, I, I guess. I, yeah, I live in an apartment and I got my, um, I got my ID and my key stolen out uh, like not at my house yeah stolen out of my jacket at the skating rink of all places and um i had to get my key replaced it was 90 dollars to get my key for my house replaced because it was a fob so they had to have someone like come out and reissue it and deactivate the old one and i guess their time is worth more than a locksmith's time or something so uh yeah i feel like locks are harder than computers 
Also, they can like do uh, yeah. Normally, they can do it remotely. I don't know. Yeah. It's frustrating to me, but um, that was like another thing where I I have this sub fund which I've talked about before, which is called the Stupid Mistakes Fund. All right, and that's what I use for things like that. This Even though it whole, wasn't my stupid, my, someone my, stole my key, but I still consider yeah. it a stupid mistake. That's my whole budget. Your stupid, stu- mistakes, stupid fund. mistakes fund. Mistakes <laughs> fund. I use I had to use that when I um accidentally booked a plane ticket for the wrong day oh no and had to pay a change fee like who does that i booked it for the wrong month uh and i lost my passport 10 days before an international trip and that was in the stupid mistakes fund yeah Yeah, 270 dollars total because i had to like go to seattle get an emergency passport issued get a new id you have to go to seattle to do that yeah because that's where the passport office is at least we're close like you know like at least i didn't have to go to dc or something so, uh, yeah, well, I think that wraps our show for today. We'd yeah. love to hear about how, what is your emergency fund number. And if you're frustrated that I didn't give you a precise number, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it varies for everyone. And, uh, you know, but we love hearing from you. So email us your financial worries or successes or stories of opportunity costs at questions at ohmydollar.com or tweet us at Anomalily or at ohmydollar. Oh My Dollar is recorded at X-Ray FM Studios in Portland, Oregon, and is syndicated through PRX. This episode was engineered by Chase Sprouse, who is also our guest. Hi. Our intro music was by Aaron Parecki. And your host and personal finance educator is me, Lillian Kerbake. Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. <laughs>